five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Please join me in welcoming Jenny Saidi and Joshua Cutrick. Throughout the recruitment campaign, Jenny and I met some amazing Canadians. Scientists, doctors, engineers, pilots like myself. There is so much talent in this country. Now I'm proud to have served Canada as part of the Royal Canadian Air Force. And today I'm very proud to be joining the Canadian Space Agency. The possibilities for Canada in space exploration are endless. And this is an exciting beginning for all of us. Happy birthday, Canada. Bon On Canada's 150th birthday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau introduced Canada's two newest astronaut recruits. It was a life-changing day for them. For Lieutenant Colonel Joshua Cutrick, it's a day he won't soon forget. So what we're gonna do is kind of go chronologically through this. So why don't you tell me a little bit about Ottawa? I'd start by saying that uh, the news probably took a, a little while to sink in. I think it's still sinking in, but there were certain points during that day that were, you know, caused you to come to reckon, reckon with the reality of what was happening. That was a wonderful surprise. The morning we came down to the hotel lobby, we were greeted by you and Dave Williams, which was a, a wonderful surprise. And that's just one of those instances that I think I'll remember for my whole life, uh, to meet someone like Dave, and then to just start going through all the, the whirlwind of activities that followed. You can reflect on that and realize very clearly that things changed then, right at that moment. It's been almost eight weeks since Joshua was introduced to the public. And this week, he's going back to basic training. That is, astronaut basic training, where over the next two years, he'll learn the basic skills needed to be certified an astronaut. For the fourth Saskatchewan native, going to Houston is a big deal. It's the home of NASA's Johnson Space Center and the Human Space Flight Program. It's also a very big city, the fourth largest in the United States. Joshua grew up on a farm in eastern Alberta and still loves the peaceful nature of his home. But now he'll need to adjust to the big city, though he'll be busy most of the time training. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to ask Joshua a few questions before his training starts in earnest. So we've got a limited time, so I'll get started right away. Um, you're about to start two years of basic astronaut training. Uh, what do you think will be your biggest challenge? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I've thought a lot about it. I think, I don't think any of it's going to be particularly easy, but when I look at the, the grand scheme of what i got to get done over the next two years, uh, learning Russian jumps out at me as something that, that I'm going to have to put a lot of work into. And we need to be we need to have achieved a certain level basically bilingual functionality in that language by the end of the next two years. Uh, that'll be the third language for me. I learned French, but I learned French over, you know, 15 or 25 years of work. So the idea of learning a third language in two years is, is quite daunting. Is uh, Chris Hadfield going to be tutoring you? 
<laughs> Maybe. He's, he's tutored me on some more subtle aspects of the job and, and given me a lot of good advice over the summer, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, you've been in high-stress situations before, including being deployed to Libya and Afghanistan. How do you think your previous experiences will prepare you for the actual experience of being strapped into a large rocket on your first flight? Yeah. Um, so they're, they're different experiences, obviously, and everybody who gets who ends up down here comes from a, a different experience, you know, a different experience during their lives. But I think if you look at it, there's certainly some similarities uh, as an experimental pilot and as a, as a fighter pilot, which are the examples you alluded to, especially as a fighter pilot in combat, you have to you get used to or you have to get good at, I like to say, um, working with others and working with others that in, in environments that are high stress and high consequence, you know, environments where the team has to make uh, really important decisions quickly. Uh, the decisions often involve life or death, but they're in an environment where you don't have the time or the information uh, that you would like before making the decision, but you, you got to make the decision anyway, and everyone's looking at you to make the right one. So from, from that sort of a perspective, I think that there's certainly some similarities to space flight. In your two years of training, will you be uh, diving uh, using the uh, facility off the coast of Florida, the NEMO facility? So NEMO is a mission that Canadian astronauts do participate in. Um, we generally participate in it after we've qualified. So the next two and a half years is uh, astronaut candidate training. It's on a a, a deliberate, very well-organized, very busy schedule. And uh, I don't expect to be partaking in NEMO during that time. I just expect to be to be doing what NASA requires me to do to qualify as an astronaut. After that, um, it's, some, it's an option, and it would be one that I, I personally very much look forward to. Would you equate the training to possibly doing like a master's degree? Yeah, I well, it's about the same time commitment. Um, and, you know, I don't know because I'm only beginning. That's a question you have to ask me at the end. But as I look out at it just on day two of the two-and-a-half-year course here, um, there's certainly some similarities. I think this training is going to be uh, maybe more practical. There's there's a lot of practical aspects to the ASCAN course. Um, you know, you're learning to spacewalk. You're learning to live underwater or work in, in strange environments like that, to live and work on the International Space Station. So there's a lot of very technical academic training, um, but it all has that very practical feel. And uh, I think that might be something that, that's going to be different. Okay. During your recruitment, you said Saturn's moon Enceladus, which appears to be uh, geologically active and to have a subsurface ocean, was a destination you would like to visit. Visiting Enceladus might be possible in your lifetime. However, you're more likely to travel into low, low Earth orbit and possibly to the moon. Have you considered the possibility that you might actually get an opportunity to visit the moon? And have you talked to any of the astronauts who visited the moon about their experiences? Yeah, big, um, big thoughts. No, I, I don't, I'm not sure humans will make it to Enceladus in my lifetime, but there'll be lots of, uh, lots of unmanned uh, vehicles that will. And I, I think that's just so immensely exciting. As far as the moon and, and, and Mars, things that are closer, I mean, that is the next step. 
Canada and, and the partner nations are committed to the International Space Station right now till 2024. And after that, the ideas are, are and the plans are being formulated right now. So uh, we don't have the details, but but we know that they're going to involve new destinations, likely the moon and then Mars and new vehicles. And that that's all really, really exciting for me. I, I'm blessed, I think, to be entering the organization, to be joining the Canadian Space Agency at this time. And uh, to directly to your question, have I thought about uh, what it might look like to have a, ca- a Canadian on the moon? I certainly have. I think it would it would be wonderful. And um, you know, I don't know who that would be, but I hope to I hope to see it during my life. I think that would be just wonderful. You've moved to moved to Houston now. What do you think of the community? Uh, have you been to Houston before, uh, and Johnson Space Center in particular? I, I actually hadn't been to Johnson Space Center. I've been down here for uh, a little bit now over the summer, so uh, I know my way around now. Prior to that, I, I hadn't. I was, a, as you know, an Air Force pilot, so I had stopped through here um, basically for gas on occasion. But I had never really gotten to know the, the Johnson Space Center or this part of Houston. Um, really, really glad to be meeting it now. It's nice, it's hot, uh, and it's really big. It's a, it's a ginormous city. Um, but Johnson Space Center itself is just, is just such a neat little amazing place. Um, thousands and thousands of people here working on the, the, literally working on the final frontier. Chris Hadfield said it that way once. He said, you know, on this, this whole planet and the billions and billions of people on it, there's just really one or two little places where just a, a small little tiny sliver of our, our human population is is working, you know, on the exploration of really doing it, going into that final frontier. And this this happens to be one of them where I'm I'm sitting right here today. So uh, just fortunate and blessed to, to be here and to, to be here on, on behalf of Canada. Well, best of luck in your training and, and thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks, Mark. No, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceQ podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca where you'll find an archive of each episode. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook at The SpaceQ. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn at Mark K. Boucher, and if we're connected, you'll get SpaceQ articles and the podcast notification in your newsfeed. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider rating the show and writing a review if you're so inclined. Inclined.